Each spring, Pensacola Christian College hosts the Enrichment Retreat designed for pastors, ministry leaders, and church staff to enjoy a time of rest and to be refreshed by the Word of God. Today's message was from a past Enrichment Retreat keynote speaker. Visit enrichmentretreat.com for details or to learn more about the upcoming retreat. Psalm 5, the fifth division in the longest book, at least by way of chapters in the Word of God. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation, hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the blood and deceitful man. But as for me, everybody say, but as for me, me. I will come into the house, into thy house, and the multitude of thy mercy, and in the fear, in thy fear, will I worship toward the holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness, because of mine enemies, make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth, their inward part is very wickedness, their throat is an open sepulcher, they flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God, let them fall by their own counsels, cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor. Wilt thou compass him as with a shield. I enjoy reading the Bible every day, don't you? I think Christians ought to read the Bible every day. (laughs) And years ago, I started reading in my Bible reading. Three Old Testament chapters, three New Testament chapters, one proverb and five psalms. That's what I read every day. We need every bit of the Bible. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. That means from Genesis to Revelation is all God breathed. Amen. Inspired, infallible, inerrant from cover to cover. It's still the bestseller. Amen. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. How can you get two men to agree on anything? God took 40 of them. Over 1,600 period of time and produced a manuscript like the Bible. A perfect word, a prophetic word, a pure word, a probing word, a piercing word, a penetrating word, a profitable word, a potent word, a powerful word, a perfecting word. Aren't you thankful for the Bible? Sin will keep you from the book, but the book will keep you from sin. So I'm thankful for the opportunity to read the Bible every day. I get to these Psalms that I read every day. It's hard to be depressed when you're reading about God in the Psalms. And then I feel like the writers of the Psalms, particularly David. He's so transparent. He's so open about life, about how he felt, about his struggles, about his humanity. I don't know about you. I I like to listen to people who are actually real people. I don't want to get up with somebody who says, I never have struggles, I never have problems. You know, I like to hear from somebody who says, I'm in the battle like you are, but I found out that with God I can win. This is what David shows us in so many of the Psalms. I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. Got saved at four, surrendered to preach at nine, started preaching competitively in competitions through American Association of Christian Schools. And so I enjoyed 
the opportunity to learn preaching and to be evaluated. And it, it had me sharpen what God had called me to do in a, in a very intentional way. And so I started preaching meetings when I was 16 and then later on preaching a lot of meetings at, at, at one point, 65 or so places a year. And I say that in no way to brag on myself. I was just in a lot of places. And so it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a weird thing or a rare thing to go, go somewhere where I wasn't preaching or walk in the mall or go on vacation. And someone say, I know you. Or, you know, I was there when you preached or, or I surrendered to preach under your preaching or, or I was at camp when, when you spoke. And it's, it's pretty humbling to be in an amusement park and to meet somebody that says, I was there when, you're, when you were preaching or I got saved under your preaching. It's, it's, it also means you better be on your P's and Q's, all right? Uh, and I, I remembered those times happening, saying to my children, you know, it pays to do right all the time because you never know who's watching. The longer you serve the Lord, the more people are going to look up for you. You don't look up to you. You don't ask for it. You don't ask to live in a fishbowl. But if you walk with God, there are going to be people that are trying to walk with God that are going to look up with you, look up at you, and want to see an example of Christ-likeness and consistency that can only be produced by Almighty God working in a life. And so every day I'm motivated to live for God because somewhere... Somebody is looking up to me. But in Psalm 5, I was reading this in my Bible reading. I listened to David and I looked at this verse and I said, you know what? David wants to walk with God. But in Psalm 5, it's not for people that are looking up to him. It's for people that are looking down at him. And he made this statement in Psalm 5 and it jumped out at me in my Bible reading. And God spoke to me about it because I believe it mirrors right where we are in ministry today. Look at verse number eight. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. Without a doubt, David, the psalmist, David, the giant killer, David, the king, David, the man after God's own heart. David, Acts 13, the one who served his generation. David, the warrior, David, the shepherd, David, the one who lived a life that you and I would emulate as best as we could. Without a doubt, David had people around him who admired him, who looked up to him, who wanted to mimic his life and copy the way he lived. And we're those people today. But David also knew what it was to be under attack. He knew what it was to live for God in such a way that people hated him. They looked for his demise. How discouraging it must have been for one of those people to be his own predecessor, Saul. I mean, when David first came on the scene, he was introduced as someone cunning, someone valiant, someone prudent, someone good to look at. But the greatest reference you could ever give of anybody that was given of David, the Lord is with him. You want this fella in here when this evil spirit comes on you because he's got God on him. And if he's got God on him, when he shows up, the devil's got to get out of here. What a reference. Without a doubt, there were people looking up at David. But David had Philistines. David had people that envied him. David had haters. David had people that because he lived for God, because he was righteous, because he wanted to do what God wanted him to do, could not stand him. And ladies and gentlemen, I hate to bust your bubble, but the longer we live and the closer we get to the return of Christ, that list is going to grow. And people in your town that are not excited about the fact you stand up every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night and open this book. They would rather you open another book. 
There are people in your neighborhood. Listen to me. I'm not trying to make us all victims and trying to make us all sacrificial lambs tonight. But the fact of the matter is, the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, the more we look at scripture, the more the world is going to go contrary to the word of God. We look at legislation. We look at what's happening in our world. We look at what's happening uh, uh, with the attack on the family and the attack on marriage. And we look at what's happening when it comes to the word of God. And we look at what the church is facing in this postmodern society as we try to navigate the issuing of truth in a world that abandons all sense of truth. And ladies and gentlemen, the list of enemies that you and I have simply for identifying with Christ and his word, that list is growing exponentially. Here's what David said. More than ever, because of enemies, I need to be doing right. Here was what he asked God. Make thy way straight. What will we mean straight? Make it plain. Make it plain. And then he says, before my face. What do you mean? Where I can see it. Here's what he's saying. Because of the people that stand against me, because of the people that oppose this word, because of the people that don't line up with truth like I line up with, because of the people in my community who are looking for me to fail, I need to walk the straight and narrow path. I need to do right. I can't just be getting what I need from leadership conferences and the who's who in our movement. I need direction from Almighty God because the name of God is at stake. The testimony of Christ is on the line. See, ladies and gentlemen, we do right because people look up to us. We sign Bibles. We get more followers on social media. Hoorah, hoorah. We do wrong when our enemies are watching us. The testimony of Christ suffered. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to leave Enrichment Conference not just having made good friends or having had a good time away from home. We need Almighty God to open up the windows of heaven and put the spotlight on his will and his perfect plan for our lives so that in our pastoring, in our youth ministry, in our music, in our homes, in our council, in our leadership, and in every area of our lives. We're not walking our way. We're not walking the independent Baptist way only. We're living God's way. And I'm telling you, when the world gets cloudier and cloudier, and when the paradigms are shifting over and over, and when things that used to be true are called false, and things that used to be false are called true, I need Almighty God in a way like only he can to make his way straight before my face. And I wonder if you want it like I do. We can't afford to fail. We are the testimony of Christ. We're the salt and we're the light. Look at David's desperate plea in Psalm 5 as we quickly move through this psalm. His desperate plea. I want you to notice his conversant solicitation with Almighty God. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. His intent, attendance. God, I need you paying attention. Listen, prayer is not just uttering vain repetitions. When we pray, we need God listening. Amen. My intense, the intense attention of you, God. Oh, consider my meditation. The individual audience, he says, give ear to my words. Oh, Lord. Listen, when I pray, I don't need everybody in the building to think I pray good. I need the God in heaven to listen to me. It's committed supplication. He said, God, in verse number two, hearken unto the voice of my cry, my king and my God. I got personal talk with God. Verse number three, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning. I got to prioritize time with God. He said, I'll direct my prayer unto thee and we'll look up. I got a proper target as my God. Listen to me. When I talk, I'm not talking for people. When I pray, I'm not praying for the brethren. When I speak, I'm not speaking to impress. 
We're living in a world that is anti-God, in a world that has moved the lines of absolutes. When we pray, we need God listening. David says, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. I'm desperate with a conversant solicitation. I'm desperate with a committed supplication. In other words, God, every prayer has to count. My time with God cannot just be mechanics. My time with God cannot be routine. I can't just get up and pray. So I told everybody I prayed. I need to get through. Listen to me. Heaven's never busy. God's never out of the office. He's never out of town. He's not on a sabbatical. He's not taking a break. So if I don't get through, God's not the problem. My desperate plea. I think we've gotten so comfortable in ministry. We've learned how to do everything that we're not desperate anymore. Listen to me. If you're not getting direction from God, maybe you don't want it bad enough. It's desperate. Please notice his divine persuasion about God. Verse number four. For thou art not a God, hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall the evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. We read these verses. Here's David's persuasion about God. He's a God of holy displeasure. He's a God of heavenly disgust. He's a God of a happening destruction. Look at verse 6. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceive them. Listen to me. If God's way is going to be straight before our face, we got to make sure we can recognize what isn't God's way. And we got to be careful that we don't drink the Kool-Aid and we don't buy into the narrative that while the world changes things and while they become comfortable. I said our people all the time. How many cuss words does the movie have to have to turn it off? How bad does it have to be to tell our kids they can't do it? How many times does it have to show up for us to say it's off limits? God help us. I'll tell you what the people of God need to be reminded of. That as bad as the world has gotten, God's still holy. I'm not talking about a denomination. I'm talking about a biblical principle of almighty God. He's still holy. Heaven is still pure. This word is still truth. Sanctify them by thy truth for thy word is true. We turn the news on. We turn the internet on. We watch the legislation. We battle what's happening in public education. We see what's happening with marriage. We see what's becoming legal. We see what's happening to churches and how difficult it is to move forward with God's mandate for our lives. And sometimes we think, well, Maybe we're just too weird. Maybe we're just too outdated. Maybe the way we think just doesn't connect. Let me tell you something. Christianity didn't start with us. It ain't going to end with us. It's about almighty God. And when we move away from the character of God, our character goes down with it. Number three, his distinct plan. All these people out here that you have holy displeasure, heavenly disgust, and a happening destruction. In other words, you're going to deal with them. Hey, if you're not careful, Christian, you'll spend your ministry trying to knock out everybody that doesn't do right instead of realizing that's God's job. You're going to handle them. You're going to handle them. You tr- listen, you won't, try to, you won't try to build a bar in Northern Virginia and you won't have a problem with it. You try to build a church building. Good gracious, I lie. I mean, Fairfax County is one of the worst counties in all of the country. And you think to yourself, good, you know, I I told uh, our church, I said, you know, there are a lot of people around town that I think would be good candidates for getting COVID. Not me. (laughs) (laughs) Has it ever occurred to you that God knows what he's doing? 
we're not careful, we'll start looking at all they're doing and we'll start thinking, we need to take care of them. Listen, David says, while they're living in a way that's contrary to God, while everyone else around me is living immorally according to idolatry and living in a sense of insanity, David says in verse number seven, but as for me, hey, let me tell you something, if God's way is going to be straight, we got to have some distinction in our lives that says everybody else is doing it, but as for me, I ain't doing it. Nobody else is doing it, but as for me, I will do it. Notice his approach to presence. What are you going to do, David? Distinctly, I will come into thy house. And by the way, he's not talking about a church building. He's talking about the presence of God. Just because we have a church doesn't mean when we go there, we're in God's presence. When's the last time your service was actually ushering into the presence of God? But we have services. Sometimes I get a text from somebody says, I can't wait till you get here in a couple months for revival. I've already planned to get right with God. And I want to say, like he's waiting on me. You know, listen to me. We're so busy condemning how people think, but sometimes they've learned it from us. Well, I can't wait till this Sunday where we can get in church. Let me tell you something. Jesus might be back for Sunday. You better get with him today. He says, I'm going to approach his presence. Why? Because there are his abundant provisions. His approach presence is, is quantified by his abundant provisions. Notice he says, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. Remind yourself the next time you go into God's presence, you don't belong there. You don't walk up to God and God's, oh, look who just walked in. I was just thinking about you. I tell our people, some people walk in church like, voila, I'm here. Aren't y'all glad? I say, I'm not amazed that you're here. I'm amazed that God knew you were coming and he still came. (laughs) God help us when we go into God's presence like, God, aren't you glad I showed up? No, no, no. When I pray, I'm glad God knows me and he still showed up. I mean, God read the enrichment retreat schedule, saw my name on it and came to Pensacola anyway. Bless his holy name. That's what mercy is. David says, when I go to the presence of God, I'm not going in my own merits. I'm going based on God's mercy. Aren't you glad that when we use up all of our mercy, 1159 today, I'm going to be done with all of my mercy. At 12, thank God I get brand new ones. There's abundant provisions. His awestruck perspective. He says, in thy fear will I worship. Where's the fear of God? Where's the reverence? But we turn on Sports Center, we're amazed at somebody dunking. We, we turn on some tournament, we're amazed at some golf shot somebody hit. We turn on technology, we're amazed at the next thing, we can, what next thing that comes out. When did we lose our awe of God? How can a man put the sun hanging on nothing and it never falls down? The moon in the middle of space and the stars in place. How in the world can somebody take from the dust of the ground and form man, breathe in the man's nostrils a breath of life and man become a living soul? Listen to me, people don't walk up to a sea and stretch out a stick and it opens up unless God's on them. Send manna down from heaven and make the bitter water sweet. <laughs> How in the world can he let them walk in the wilderness for 40 years and their shoes never wear out? How about this? Their shoes never worn, didn't wear out and their shoes grew with their feet. <laughs> Glory to God. What a God. What a God. We've lost our awe of God. The psalmist said just one division before Psalm 5, stand in awe and sin not. It's hard to live in sin when you're living in amazement of Almighty God. He says his awestruck perspective and therefore his absolute praise. He says, in thy fear will I worship. He didn't just say, I'm going to church. He said, I'll worship. I'll worship. He didn't say, I'll sing all four stanzas. 
He didn't say we'll go through the motions. He didn't say we'll put together an order of service. He says, I'll worship. I'm, I'm nervous about the fact that churches are having services every week, but how few are worshiping. Worshiping. Strong says to, to, to make obeisance before one. It says to, to fawn, to crouch in the presence of one like a dog licking the paw of his master. We just bought a puppy. An American bully, my 16-year-old bought a puppy, an American bully. He said, I'm saving all my money to buy a puppy. I said, did you ever think about the vet bills too? But he's 16. Pray for him. Amen. <laughs> but let me tell you something. When we walk in that house, that dog comes running and jumping and, and hopping up. Why? Because the people, he, his masters are home. Let me tell you something. It ought to be that when we worship God, there's such a passion and excitement to say, that's my master. That's my Lord. That's my maker. That's my creator. Creator, I run to him like a dog runs to his master. Shame on us if the dog's happier to see us than we are to see him. The distinct plan. Notice the definite persecutors. I'm wrapping up. The definite persecutors. Mine enemies, verse 8. What, what about them, verse 9, David? There's no faithfulness in their mouth. They lack character. They have faithless mouths. They have faulty motives. <laughs> they have a fumy makeup about them. What do you mean fume? Their throat is an open sepulcher. They talk and it stinks when they talk. You have any enemies like that? Well, we live in a world that's full of filthy mouths. If we're not careful, Christians will be buying into it. I get a little tired of running into Christians who cuss. Some of them preachers. And then start excusing it because when you're in the South, it's not a cuss word. Cussing ain't based on where you're from. Cussing is cussing. Amen. God help us. We let the world speak. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy. He didn't say let it be politically correct. He said be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my reward. You're the one that bought me. So my words ought to line up with you. So, David, this is what I'm dealing with. David says they're lacking character, faithless mouths, faulty motives, fumy makeup. They're flattering manner. They butter you up only to destroy you. They're lacking character. And because of their lacking character, he says, God, here's my longing cry. Destroy them. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they've rebelled against thee. Oh, God, give a sovereign dealing with them. May a self-destruction come about them. Give your supreme discharge about them and their shameful disobedience. Lord, he says they're mad with me because they're against you. Sometimes we, we act like people just hate us for nothing. Listen to me. Blessed are they who are living right and persecuted for righteousness sake. Boy, it's a way for me to say thank you Lord for what you did for me on the cross. Everybody wants to know the power of the resurrection. Who wants to deal with the fellowship of his sufferings? God help us. David said, the lacking character of persecutors brings a longing cry in my heart. I need you, God. I need you. I need you to deal with them. I need you to deal with sin. Listen to me as a Christian. You're never going to work up an appetite to hate sin until you first work up an appetite to love God. I end with a detailed petition. He talks about the persecutors and now his petition, verse number 11, his, his sincere request. A sincere request concerning consecrated people. Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. What do you mean there? They're people with a dependent conviction. They trust you. They're people with a defended character. You look out for them. They're people with a devoted compulsion. 
Look at verse number 11. They love thy name. I want to ask you a question tonight. Do you trust him? Boy, I've had to learn that. My soul. I mean, you just hop up. You're so used to hopping up and go where you want to go. My wife says I got out to bed and I'd get out. I'd walk out to bed and I'd lean on the wall and look down the hallway. And then I'd get back in the bed. What were you doing? I'm being nosy. I pay the bills around here. I want to find out what's going on. What if you don't like it? I'm getting back in the bed. (laughs) You know, men like to feel in charge even when they can't do anything. And I kept saying, well, by this time, I'll feel better. By this time, I'll feel better. You know what God was saying? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Well, I know how to pastor. I've done this before. I I know how to do this. I've I've studied it before. I know how to do this. It's worked out before. Hey, let me tell you. Let all them that trust thee. He says, you'll defend them. Boy, it's nothing like having God as your defense. And I ask you today, do you love him? It's consecrated people with a consequential pleasure. What, what, what happens when they trust him, they love him, and they're defended by him? Notice there's a joyful shout and there's a joyous sentiment. Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them that love thee be joyful. If I were you, I wouldn't tell anybody if you're not joyful. People all the time, Pastor, I've lost my joy. I say, shh, don't tell nobody. Because according to Psalm chapter 5, you haven't been trusting God. Well, I just don't have no joy anymore. According to Psalm chapter 5, you must not love his name. It just comes with it, doesn't it? <laughs> I was telling somebody recently, oh, I just, preachers, they're so happy all the time because they don't have problems. All those people in the church, you know why they're smiling? They don't have problems. Listen, peace is not that you don't have problems. Peace is that your problems don't have you. Everybody says, how you going to live in 2022 and not have problems? Good gracious alive. Everybody's got problems. But when you've got God on your side, your problems don't have you. God, help us to get away from the, the busyness of ministry this week to get back to trusting. We're not going to ever go back to ministry without problems, but let's go back to ministry with problems, trusting in the one who's a problem solver. Consecrated people. Consequential pleasure. That's his sincere request. And then his stabilizing reassurance. Verse 12, for thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. Raise your hand if God's blessed you. I'm, God blesses me so much I feel embarrassed sometimes. <laughs> he says extended, extended blessings. Thou wilt bless. <laughs> Somebody said, how far is the gas going to go up? I don't know, but it's getting on my nerves. <laughs> I drive an SUV and I, kept, I, fill, I was filling up the other day and I just wanted to cry. <laughs> And then we drove my wife's car to come down here. Now I'm filling up her car, and it's making me want to cry too. How far, let's, let's, what's going to happen in Ukraine? What's going to happen with Russia? What, what's going to happen in America? My, my 14-year-old daughter came up to the room just a couple weeks ago, scared to death because of what she saw on the news. Daddy, somebody said, this man's going to come up. I, listen, I don't know what Putin's going to do. I don't know what's going to happen in Ukraine. And I don't know what's going to happen with the gas price. But I can tell you one thing. I ain't a psychic. I ain't never read anybody's poems. I don't read horoscopes. I'm not a prophet. I don't claim to know the future. But you just put your finger on the calendar any day in the future from today, and I can guarantee you on that day, God will still be giving blessings. <laughs> 
extended blessings. But there's some eligible behavior. Thou wilt bless who? The righteous. You mean God's just not interested in blessing anybody? See, righteousness makes you eligible for God's blessing. God's, David, make your way straight. Why? Because when I walk straight, I get blessed. And the encircling boundary. With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. I don't know about you. When I think about the shields of protection in the Christian life, I just think about one of them angels like, Hezekiah had that destroys 185,000. I just think of somebody just coming down here with a sword. Just, you know, I think about might and strength. And when I think about God's shield, I think about his power and flexing his muscles to defend me. And yet David says in Psalm 55, he says, with, with favor, wilt thou encompass him as a shield. You, you know what David says? David says, when I think about how God has protected me, I'm not thinking about angels with swords. I'm thinking about favor. How much favor has God given? We live in a country where we can read our Bible. That's favor. I got a wife that'll stand beside me through thick and that's favor. I got friends that I can see at a conference. That's favor. We're out of town this week. We must have. Six, seven different people looking out for our kids. While we're, look, do you realize there are people that have billions of dollars and they don't have six people that they can trust to go in their house while they're gone? That's favor. You Christians don't have a life. Yeah, yeah. I got people that can go in my house. I ain't worried about them taking stuff. <laughs> I got a life. Come on now. That's favor. See, 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 see look around you. Tonight, folks, we didn't come here to talk about how rough it is to be in the ministry, how we get beat up all the time. We need to talk about how good it is to be in the ministry because it is that in which God has encircled us. I think somewhere in there, this same writer said, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. <laughs> I hear preachers all the time, oh, being in the ministry, is people always on you. They're always against you. They just want to destroy you. They, I just feel like everywhere I go, people want to knock me out. I just wish they'd go away. I said, no, God doesn't want them to go away. Give them popcorn. Because <laughs> the best thing about people wanting to destroy you is while they're sitting there watching you to go down, instead of watching you go down, they watch God feed you. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my. Oh, y'all came to watch something, did you? Sit down a little while. Watch how my God takes care of his children. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. That word pursue is what David was accustomed to using when Saul pursued him. In Psalm 23, it wasn't Saul pursuing. David said, when I look back behind me, I don't see Saul. I see two twins. And it doesn't matter where I go, whether I'm in a cave, whether I'm at Ziklag, and whether Saul's trying to destroy me. He said, them twins running behind me everywhere I go. Goodness and mercy. It's a shield. Over and over again, God has reminded me the last couple of years how blessed I am. It has protected me from depression, discouragement, retreat. Dismay. Oh, we've had some interesting 
challenges the last couple of years. It seems like they all happen at the same time. And yet it seems like you can be hiding from all your enemies. And somehow, when you didn't tell anybody where you were, you look at your wife and go, oh, Lord, they found us. And she looks to the people and says, honey, don't worry about it. It ain't who you think it is. It's goodness and mercy. (laughs) They found us. And I'm so glad. You know why goodness and mercy find you? Because God supplies them with your GPS. And may God help us in these last days. We're going to learn a lot these next couple of days. And nobody needs to do more learning than I do. But I want to remind us. Not everybody's looking up at us. A great number of people are looking down at us. And because we have enemies. And if you don't have enemies, don't tell nobody. (laughs) Because we have enemies, we need God to make his way straight before our face. You've been listening to a message from the Pensacola Christian College Enrichment Retreat. You're welcome to pass this message along to others, but we ask that you do not charge for it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. If you're a pastor or ministry leader, Join us for the next Enrichment Retreat and experience a time of physical rest and spiritual refreshment. To learn more, visit EnrichmentRetreat.com.